But wait, there's more. Hi, everybody. It's Terry O'Reilly here, and we're happy to announce something we've never offered before. It's our But Wait, There's More subscriber package. If you're a fan of Under the Influence, you'll get more than ever before. You'll get more bonus episodes like the live recording and audience Q&A we did recently at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival, exclusive for subscribers only. You'll get more podcasts with additional stories. You'll get early access so you can listen to all of our new shows before anyone else. You'll get all of our episodes, including archives, ad-free. Tisk tisk. I won't judge. You'll be invited to Ask Me Anything sit-down chats with yours truly. You'll get first dibs on tickets for live events. You'll get big discounts on Under the Influence merchandise. And that's only the beginning, all for a few bucks a month. Just go to our show page on Apple Podcasts and tap Try Free to start your free seven-day trial. Membership has its privileges. Hmm, you should copyright that. 
You're listening to the movie John Dillinger went to see at the Biograph Theater in Chicago the night he was gunned down. It was called Manhattan Melodrama. Its theme song was Blue Moon, and it starred Clark Gable. But at that time, Dillinger was almost as famous as Gable. He was a bank robber with a flair for the dramatic. Born in 1903, he got into a lot of trouble growing up. He was arrested for stealing a car at 19, then enlisted in the Navy. He deserted a few months later, and when he couldn't find a job, he planned a robbery with a friend. They stole $50 from a grocery store, but were tracked down and arrested soon after. While in prison, Dillinger took the opportunity to study the finer points of bank robberies from seasoned criminals. When he was released in 1933 and couldn't find a job due to the Great Depression, he immediately robbed a bank in Ohio. But the police again tracked him down and locked him up. But Dillinger managed to escape and continued to pull off outrageous robberies. In Indiana, he pretended to be a sales representative for a bank alarm company, then tested the alarm by carrying out a robbery. Another time, he pretended to be a film company scouting out a location for a bank robbery movie. As bystanders smiled and applauded, Dillinger actually robbed the bank and rode off waving. When he needed machine guns and bulletproof vests, he robbed police stations. Then, one day, he stole a sheriff's car and drove to Chicago. But by taking the stolen car across state lines, he suddenly came under the jurisdiction of the Bureau of Investigation. A precursor to the FBI, the Bureau used superior fingerprinting technology that linked Dillinger to many robberies. It also plastered his face on bulletins, naming him the first public enemy number one. This notoriety made it harder for Dillinger to move around undetected. He tried black market plastic surgery to change his appearance. At that time, the surgery was primitive and very painful, and it only slightly altered his features. But Dillinger was becoming increasingly wary of being silently tracked by the Bureau, and it was fingerprint evidence that worried him the most. No matter how he looked or what city he moved to, his fingerprints would always give him away. So, in an attempt to stop being tracked, he tried to burn off his fingerprints with acid. His fingers were utterly destroyed. But when they healed, Dillinger was shocked to discover his fingerprints just grew back. It was only a matter of time before the agents tracked him down that fateful night at the Biograph Theater. Fingerprints are an interesting aspect of tracking. They are coded identification marks unique to each individual. Being tracked via fingerprints is not something that is unique to the world of crime. It has an accomplice in 21st century marketing. The technology is leading edge, the information gathered is vast and secret, and it enables marketers to track you no matter where you go. And, like Dillinger, it involves a lot of money. It's called hyper-targeting, and it may surprise you to learn how much advertisers already know regarding your whereabouts. 
By the 1960s, media buying had become predictable. You could reach 80% of your target market by buying a handful of top television programs. The most popular newspapers and magazines were abundantly obvious. Therefore, the media buyer's skill was simply about negotiating price. That's why, in an agency, the superstars were in the creative department. Because, all things being equal, if advertisers were buying the same ad space in the same programs, then the only distinguishing feature was the creative quality of the ads themselves. That thinking existed for over 40 years. Then, everything changed. Because today, the media people are becoming the superstars. Media departments have become a lure for highly paid software engineers, financial statisticians, numerical analysts, and data scientists. It's now the hot, sexy department. It's been a remarkable transition, and it all began in the 1990s. The Decade of the Internet When the number of TV channels exploded and the Internet arrived, media buying became much more sophisticated. Audiences became highly fragmented. The World Wide Web was exciting, but it was also a complete mystery. Advertisers watched it from a distance. Later that year, browsers appeared. They were an incredibly important milestone in that they introduced the concept of websites to the public, and they allowed photos, hyperlinks, and ads to be seen immediately. As the web evolved, several important things happened to shape it. Offline publishers, like newspapers and magazines, began to see people migrate online to find their news and stories. An erosion in their ad revenues began as advertisers started to withdraw their support. Yet, online publishers quickly realized that consumers refused to pay for digital content. It was a sticky catch-22. People were moving online in search of content, but they didn't want to pay for it. So, publishers with available online ad space did the only thing they could do. They looked to media buyers for survival. They knew if they could figure out who was visiting their websites, that information could be sold to advertisers. So they began to hire companies that specialized in analyzing how many visitors were logging onto their sites, who they were, and where they were coming from. In his very insightful book titled The Daily You, author Joseph Turo cites 1994 as the beginning of the first decade of the commercialization of the Internet companies started to sell their wares online. Then, a small problem occurred almost immediately. When someone was purchasing online using an electronic shopping cart, they would click on an item and put it in their cart. But if they put a second item in there, the website would treat that transaction as a new customer. It had no way of discerning if multiple purchases were coming from the same person. When you went to check out, you were faced with numerous shopping carts. So, in 1994, a computer programmer at Netscape came up with the idea of using electronic cookies. Essentially, cookies were small text files that assigned an identification code to the visitor, like a fingerprint. 
It worked this way. The moment you logged on to a website, it automatically placed a cookie on your computer. And the next time you visited, the website recognized that cookie. Therefore, when you put several items into your shopping cart, the website recognized all those purchases were being made by the same person. That cookie also gave the website other information, like where you had clicked previously, what you had put in the cart but not purchased, what pages you had viewed, and for how long. But the creators of the electronic cookie made one other important decision to place those cookies on people's computers without asking permission. That decision would have lasting ramifications. As advertisers started to tiptoe into the internet, they needed a way to buy online ads. So new online ad companies began to form website networks. They grouped sites into broad categories. But advertisers still demanded more detail. So companies like DoubleClick developed a way to use cookies to observe a visitor's behavior. As well, that technology could send the same person more ads for the same product on other pages across its 3,000 plus website network. In other words, it could track consumers. Then came Google. It used SEO. Or search engine optimization. When you type keywords into a search box, a list of relevant websites would appear, collected and ranked by Google's patented technology. Google began selling relevant ads next to the search results. This was called paid search. Google's pitch to advertisers was that the keywords people used to search items were direct insights into their purchasing interests. Advertisers liked what they heard and began bidding on those keywords. The more desirable the search word, the more expensive it was. If keywords were a window into the deepest purchasing desires of consumers, it only stood to reason that even more information could be gleaned from website visits. In order to begin collecting valuable information, many websites required registration of name and email address. For example, the New York Times requires registration just to be able to comment on an article. Websites soon realized that cross-referencing information, or cookie matching, led to more fully realized portraits of their customers. According to Joseph Turo, the New York Times, for example, has an arrangement with LinkedIn to match the NewYorkTimes.com registrants to LinkedIn profiles. That enhanced information is transferred to the NewYorkTimes.com for use in its advertising. Many online companies share and purchase data about their registrants using third-party vendors. For example, an auto company might purchase information about you from an airline you've dealt with, and learn your age, gender, marital status, ethnicity, profession, credit status, number of airline flights you've taken in the past 12 months, the number of kids you have, their age ranges, and the value of your home. If you've made any medical purchases, health-related information about your allergies, arthritis, cholesterol, or diabetes could also be made available. All of which is done without your knowledge. And when that information is added to the past details you provided when you registered on their site, 
a robust behavioral profile is created for you. And with that, hyper-targeting begins. And we'll be right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're enjoying this episode, why not dip into our archives? Available wherever you download your pods. Go to terryoreilly.ca for a master episode list. Hyper-targeting allows media planners to send perfectly tailored ads directly to individuals based on deep knowledge of that individual's personal life at the exact moment they are about to buy something. For example, say a car company has been quietly tracking you, and they see you've been on five different auto sites. It's obvious you're shopping for a new car. Because they've bought access to your credit information, they know you have the financial resources to buy a car. And from your recent internet behavior, they know you are closing in on a decision. Then one day, they observe you visiting a vehicle financing site at 9.30 in the morning. At this point, the car company would take advantage of hyper-targeting and place an ad on that website at the very moment you are about to arrange financing and offer you a discount on their car. That's hyper-targeting. Or say you were on Sears' website buying tools, but you abandon the shopping cart and surf to another website. A hyper-targeted ad would then appear on that other website, urging you to come back to Sears to get 10% off your tool purchase. Or how about this? In a recent mayoral election in Rapid City, South Dakota, a local candidate used hyper-targeted Facebook ads to successfully unseat an incumbent. 
the sitting mayor had a much bigger advertising budget and ran a conventional campaign, heavy on TV ads, but ran the same ads to everyone equally for all to see. His underfunded opponent couldn't afford television, so he hired an interactive company to create 30 hyper-targeted ads aimed at 30 different groups of key voters, including opera lovers, police, union employees, firefighters, school teachers, Native Americans, city workers, and even 18-year-old first-time voters. When users clicked on the ads, they were taken to a website page addressing their hyper-targeted concerns. That made the case why the two-term mayor should be unseated. The results were, quote, earth-shaking. While the election was close, the better-funded and well-liked incumbent mayor was defeated. But here's the interesting part. The mayor probably never did see any of the ads that unseated him. They were sent directly to specific individuals. No ads were ever posted publicly. And get this, the hyper-targeted Facebook ads received almost 1.2 million web impressions. Total cost? $3,000. One of the most contentious subjects in Joseph Turo's book hinges on this very moment. He maintains that advertisers are increasingly using cookies and databases to determine who is a worthy customer and who is not. In other words, who is a target and who is waste. So, if you were deemed a valuable target because you had a higher salary, and I was deemed waste because I have more debt, you would receive deeper discounts and more offers than me on the very same product, maybe on the very same website. It suggests, in no uncertain terms, that corporations are secretly grading customers. Most firms who sell personal information purport to strip actual names out of their data, serving up specific but anonymous consumers to advertisers. But a healthy percentage of consumers willingly give away their names and email addresses in return for discounts or sweepstakes. And when that happens, the profile is complete. While it appears a Do Not Track Browser button is on the way, many people routinely block or erase cookies from their browsers because they don't like the idea of being tracked. If you open your browser, click Privacy. Then, if you are on Safari, for example, click Details, and all the cookies that have been placed on your computer will appear. I was surprised to find that 2,389 cookies have been placed on my browser. In a recent experiment, the Wall Street Journal visited the Dictionary.com website, a website I visit often, by the way, to get correct spellings or proper pronunciations. It's your everyday, utilitarian website. But when the Wall Street Journal later checked their privacy settings, it discovered Dictionary.com had downloaded 223 files onto its test computer, many of them for tracking purposes. Facebook has over 170 million users in North America at the time of this writing. Last year, Facebook's ad revenue was well over $3 billion, and it generated that by supplying personal user data to advertisers. 
Companies like Facebook are also able to monitor conversations to gather comments and insights from customers talking about brands. My wife was having a conversation with some girlfriends on Facebook about an upcoming wedding. Not long after, wedding-related ads started appearing on her homepage. While Facebook claims this monitoring is done by software, that no humans are reading your posts, it's still another example of what is called data scraping. Recently, Facebook started experimenting with monitoring conversations in real time. So, if you uttered the line, "Boy, I could go for a pizza tonight," you would be served up a pizza ad or coupon instantly. It's every advertiser's dream. Interesting aside. 20 to 30% of divorce petitions in the UK cite Facebook as a factor. All message records are kept and stored, and it appears that even deleted messages are retained by Facebook. As someone said recently, Facebook and Google may know more about you than your wife. Which brings us to privacy policy statements. Many policies are often long and confusing on purpose. CNIL, an independent privacy agency in France, which was investigating Google recently, says most privacy policies are too vague and difficult to understand, even for quote trained privacy professionals. What people don't understand about privacy policies is that most don't really ensure your information will remain private, but rather outline how that company plans on using your private information. That's a big difference. There was a time when credit card companies were only interested in making sure you kept up with your payments, but now. They seem to be judging you on your purchases. Credit card companies routinely monitor our spending to create profiles to determine credit worthiness. They look for signs of financial and personal distress. For example, if you begin using your credit card at second-hand stores or when charges start appearing for marriage therapy, the credit card company starts watching you more closely. If you log into your credit card balance at one in the morning, it might signal sleeplessness due to financial anxiety. If you check your balance three times a day, it's a warning sign. By tracking your private purchases, companies create a profile for you and determine whether they should lower your credit limit or raise your interest rate. Charles Duhigg, a business reporter with New York Times Magazine, published a fascinating article recently. He wrote that a math-loving analyst at Canadian Tire began to evaluate every piece of information they had collected from its credit card transactions that year. The analyst determined that the brands we buy were windows to our soul. For example, people who bought cheap generic motor oil were more likely to miss a credit card payment than those who bought the more expensive brand name oil. People who bought carbon monoxide detectors, premium bird seed, or felt pads for the bottom of furniture legs almost never missed payments. The reasoning: these people had a sense of responsibility toward the world and wanted to protect their belongings, be it hardwood floors or credit ratings. On the other hand, people who bought chrome skull car accessories or mega thruster exhaust systems were credit risks. 
The analyst even determined that 47% of the people who use their Canadian Tire credit card at a very specific pool room bar in Montreal missed four payments in 12 months. That's how specific hyper-targeting can be. It can even zero in on patrons of a specific bar. It's not surprising then that erosion of personal privacy was the number two concern in a recent survey of consumers, which ranked above terrorism. 80% of people don't want to be tracked online. Yet, it's safe to say almost 100% of consumers are. The idea for this episode occurred to me when I was walking across my office parking lot one day. I bumped into Robin Heisey, one of the top advertising creative directors in the country. We started chatting about hyper-targeting, and he wondered, out loud, if there would be any need for creative ad men like us in the future, considering that with cookies and digital fingerprinting, advertisers can track customers, perfectly tailored ads can be served up, offering them exactly what they want at the exact moment they want it. No waste, no guesswork, no creativity required to gain attention. It was a profound question. Hyper-targeting is the new 21st century frontier in marketing because it delivers the two things advertisers have craved since the dawn of time, addressability and accountability. And some people are fine with giving up personal information on the Internet. As one friend said to me, it's the price of a free Google and Facebook. But it's important not to be apathetic about your data. The more you understand how it all works and where it's heading, at least you can begin to exert your own influence on the software engineers, financial statisticians, numerical analysts and data scientists who are tracking you. It's no longer the madmen you have to look out for, it's the mathmen when you're under the influence. I'm Terry O'Reilly. Mr. Terry O'Reilly, this is Mellon Chevrolet calling. We see you are shopping online for a new blue car. We'd like to offer you a $1,500 cashback offer on a blue car. Love the gray sweater you're wearing today. It matches your boxer shorts. Under the Influence was produced by Pirate Toronto and New York. Research for this episode was done by Myra L. Bayumi. See you next week. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.